It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Thursday. Danny Canel, Raja Bell hanging out with you. A bunch of stuff we got to get to. We're going to preview tonight's game, Eagles and Packers. Jalen Ramsey is missing practice again for yet, I think it's the fourth reason this week. Uh-huh. We'll break that down in a little bit. And we have Possible. to do some NBA too, um, as the Miami Heat are still interested in trading for Chris Paul. What could that mean for the Eastern Conference squad? That and more. Emery Hunt, as well, as he does every Thursday, is going to get through some picks. I have a question for you. So, yeah. just doing the news at the update, I'm sure you've probably heard by now. Melvin Gordon is ending his holdout for the Chargers. He's reportedly going to join the team today. Won't play this weekend. Do you think, Raja, do you think he's embarrassed? Like, I do. Going back in? Yeah. It's yeah. got to be tough. It's got to be very weird, very humbling, very tail between your legs-ish. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that all. was my first thing was like, man, imagine being him because the only things I've ever been part of a holdout. There were some rookies first round picks and they're not they weren't even they just lasted a couple weeks into camp and you got signed and then everybody's like messing with you. But it's kind of funny. And you're like, hey, you're buying dinner tonight. Right. Uh, when I was on the Falcons, Jamal Anderson held out. Same type of deal. When he got back, everybody was like cheering for him. Hey, you got your money. You're messing with the practice. What what do these guys do on the team with Melvin Gordon? Like you can't really congratulate him. You're like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, I think general rule of thumb is you hold out to make money. Exactly. Not lose money. And that's all that he did. I mean, you could make the case, I guess, that you've uh to some degree um lessened the opportunity for you to get injured going into your going into your um yeah. uh, free agent year, right? Like you yep. missed, you know, you can make that argument. But I don't I don't know that it is enough of an argument to really paint him as a winner in in what's transpired here like you held out now what you could say is they're one and two so i i kind of proved my point even though austin eckler is you know fantasy you know wise is doing the job it's not producing wins but if he were that bad and they were that desperate to have melvin gordon back wouldn't they be playing him this week danny like do you know what i mean like they they drop him in ready to play they're not doing that so that in and that might be a Hey, he hasn't had preseason. He hasn't been here. Let's not just throw him in full go. Let's try to get him a week of practice. It is kind of odd. That means uh, it's not, that's not a new player. No, that's true. And he's about like, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott missed a lot, yeah. came right in week one and had a lot of carries and right. had some success. So not only is it going to be embarrassing for him, it's going to be financially tough. Now, sure, he's scheduled to make 5.6 this year in his final year of his rookie deal, which is already, it's going to be prorated. 4.4. So, yeah. So you minus subtract that out. But then the other issue that you have is you also have the fines. Oh, so that's separate from the proration of. Oh, yeah. 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 No, no, no. So you're already. So the three games you just didn't get paid for. Right. But all those training camp practices, meetings that you missed. They've tallied 1.2. Oh, yeah. So it's a really, it's a financial hit. I was also under the assumption that maybe one of the. The things that the Chargers do is, hey, let's just get him back. Let's let's put this all aside. Let's make sure we can have him for this final year of his contract. Is you know what the, that one point two million in fines? We'll excuse that. Apparently, they're going after it. And I, you know, I don't. 
that's the other thing. Like again, Melvin oh, this, Gordon had like who a, gave him this advice? This is a full loss advice. now. Oh my goodness, this is it's no longer like so I much loss. This is a full loss. Yes. yes, I mean you're talking about a significant pay cut that he's gonna take this year. So. He got awful advice. Um, he should have never done this. And you can't. I do think he's a good running back. He's probably one of the top six or seven in the league. But viewing yourself the same as Ezekiel Elliott, who means a lot more to that team playing with a younger quarterback, and you're comparing yourself and your situation similarly when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback yeah. and they don't view you with the same type of, oh, man, we can't live without him, then you're taking that risk. And he swung and struck out big time. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, and I hope he gets paid, right? Like I hope, I hope he goes out there he and will tears get, it up. He'll get paid. I don't know that he's going to get paid. In the same breath with the guys he wants to be paid with, right? You should, right. Have, you should now wrap your mind around that if you're Melvin Gordon. Yes. There was an opportunity for all of the teams to take a swing at you, right? Um, they all looked at it and they were like, now nah, we're good. You have to now wrap your mind around what that's going to look like in free agency. Someone's going to pay you, but they're not breaking the bank for you. So you, you, I mean, whoever's representing him, you should start like conditioning him to understand that now. Like, yeah, come back. You're going to have a nice season, but we ain't going to be making what we thought we were going to be making. Exactly. And you still get a nice payday, so it could be there. But, yeah, you got to reset the expectations there for sure. Uh, his backup, as you mentioned, Austin Eckler. And this is the conversation with running back. Yes, they're one and two, but it hasn't been like they've been atrocious. Austin Eckler's been pretty good. He's been getting you pretty good production with four touchdowns on the and season. Still averaging like five and a half yards a carry. Like with, yeah. It's not like you've had a precipitous drop with him missing. Like I, And I do – I your point is well taken about somebody coming in and – and and not playing except what does Ezekiel Elliott do? Right, like really, real yeah. He came in midweek, right? Yep, you're playing and, like, when and you went mean, out there and produced. Yes, played pretty well. When you mean that much to a team, and and you can convince them that you've been in shape, and they've had to have this dialogue. They know he's not rolling in there thirty pounds overweight. Right, they play you if you mean that much to him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other situation that is still ongoing and unfolding with a player that's not happy in his current situation. Is Jalen Ramsey. So we had him with the flu, right? <laughs> this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of like comical. And it we'll is, hear from Doug Marone in just a second. So he sat out with the flu. Right. Then he had the back and hamstrings, supposedly both of those, where it was the second excuse. And now he has a third excuse where he said, Hey, I have, uh, my baby's mama. She's about to give birth to my, our, our kid. Yeah. I got to go back to Nashville to be there with her. It's normal. Happens all the time. Yeah. But the timing of it is so crazy. Listen to Doug Marone as he was talking about the situation with Jalen Ramsey. He's good now. Feeling better? From the sickness? Yeah. Yeah. And then when did the, when did the injury pop up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. It yeah. just gets tight, you know. I mean, his back got tight. It's normal. His back has gotten tight before. My back's tight. A couple of guys' backs are tight. You know, a couple of guys have <laughs> hamstrings. I mean, My everyone gets, um, gets his stuff. So I actually heard that sound. If you're not watching us on CBS Sports HQ and you're listening on the podcast, I don't even know if you can tell the goofy look on his face, the way he's smiling yeah, he's laughing. and laughing. You can hear him laughing, but even seeing it, he's like, come on, you guys know this is all a facade. Like we're all talking about something when we know there's a much bigger issue at play. Right. Because if you did have all of these issues separate, they're all excusable, right? I missed sure. practice for the flu uh, when I was playing. Uh We've had players miss for a tight back. I missed practice time with a tight back. I've, I had teammates who flew to wherever they had to go to, you know, be by their wife's side or spouse's side uh, for their birth. All of them separately, totally excusable. 
What's interesting is that they're all lined up back to back to back in a player who is demanding a trade where that's why Doug Marone is like, well, what do you guys want me to do? <laughs> right, correct. And what can you do? Right. What can you do? Like legitimate excuses. Here's what I, I mean. I, this is going to come off wrong. I'll probably get skewered for it. But I appreciate that he is working the system instead of just saying, hey, I'm not coming in, subjecting himself to fines and, and you know, uh, forfeiture of, of money. He said, hey, I've got legitimate excuses. Yep. Here's what they are. If I'm disgruntled, I'm not going to be there. Whether you like that or not, it's, 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 it's actually, you know, beneficial for him to do that rather than just say, I'm not coming in. Here's what I, Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. right? What was that last year? Two years ago with, with Seattle. I think it was last year. Won a new deal. Yep. Clearly they, they, they were going to get younger. He wasn't in the plans for them. He wanted to be moved. That couldn't be facilitated. Um, he decided he was going to come to work, mm-hmm. right? Now he was out. He didn't want, you know, he was you said, you're not in practice into me. field. You're yep. not into me, but, but played. Yep. What happened to him? Remember what happened to him? What happened? Got to hurt. That's right. Got hurt out there doing that, right? Yep. I'm no longer in your plans. Now my value is diminished. Like those are the conversations, uh, specifically to football, that are really interesting to me. While I know he's under contract and he has a job to do, um, if he sees and you're going to tell me about insurance and all that, I got it. Yep. But if you can't make a commitment to this guy. Right, who is one of the best corners in the game, and he's young. If you can't make a commitment to him, and then you're unwilling to trade him to someone who would make the commitment to him, what's he supposed to do? Right. Yeah. You, so, and let's just compare this to Melvin Gordon. Wouldn't Melvin Gordon been better off if he would have had a hamstring all through Absolutely. camp? Absolutely. And then he would have got to regular season. Hey, my back is sore. Yeah. And you know, like he would have been not, better off. I'm having a baby. Exactly. Uh, no, Whatever yeah. excuses you want to come he's up with. He's got the money in his pocket. Exactly. Yes. And but what gets really interesting. As this situation continues to develop, uh, because the team reportedly said they have no idea when he's coming back. Like, hey, when we don't know. Hey, is the wife giving birth today? Is it tomorrow? Is he just want to be there? Is he on call? Right. Because sometimes these things play out. Yeah. What if he doesn't come back? Like, and then what if it's next week and there's another excuse? Do they do something? Do they do they withhold his paycheck and say, hey, he's he's, he's healthy enough to play, but he's not here. What are we supposed to do? That's where it gets ugly, and you feel like this situation is getting ugly. Well, it's getting ugly. Like yeah. this is, I mean, all jokes aside, this is messy, right? And like, I think most teams can't um, be standing between you and a baby. Like that's just a very weird place to be in, right? But if you abuse, you turn it into like paternity leave. <laughs> yes. Like now that that's is an not going to fly. Team. That's not going to no. not going to fly. And I would say even um, if it was a game, if he was saying, "Hey, the, I'm going to fly back for the game," I think. It's open to criticism. You know, I mean, I, and you yeah. and I had had this discussion before, especially in the NFL. I mean, I remember I was just married and there was somebody else that had missed practice and they were like, there's no way I'm missing the game. And my wife was like, yeah, you only have this many games. If there's only 16 games, I realize the importance that is for your career. Hey, you have the rest of your life to be a good dad. Go ahead. You can miss that. But clearly, Jalen Ramsey is going to be like, nah, I'm, I'm here for the birth yeah. you know, of my, of my, of my baby girl. Yeah. I, um, that's a tough one for me. We've had this debate before. I was going to miss a game if I had to, but regular I, season. Now, what if it's a playoff game? Well, what I was blessed because I was in Phoenix. Yeah, we had a doctor that was a big Suns fan, <laughs> and what she did, <laughs> my wife still curses her name to this day, was she induced her early so that I could get out of there and play the Lakers the next day. Yep. Which was appreciated on my end. Yes, um, but <laughs> short of that, that was going to be a tough call for me because. Like that, that was my first son and that's a miracle unlike any other. Right. And so I don't ever fault a dude for saying, Hey man, I'm going to miss a game. You play that. However, you know, whatever's important to you, you play like that. But I was probably going to miss that game. Uh, if I had to, to see Dia be born, that's just what I was going to do. Right. 
Right, for sure. Everybody has their own right. I do think this will get interesting, and we'll keep you updated on that as Jalen Ramsey. When does he come back? Uh, and does he come up with yet another excuse? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see because I have a hunch there will be. Make it a legal uh, one, bro. Keep, yes. Keep playing that way. Yes, exactly. Uh, tonight, we have Thursday Night Football. The Eagles on the road against the Packers. Uh, the Packers are 3-0. and Despite their offense not looking too great, they're 28th in the league in total offense, 27th in passing. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. I don't think they've been asked to do that much because yeah. their defense has been playing so well. I do think the Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers relationship is developing. I don't know if you saw this, but a couple weeks ago, there was a play before halftime. It was sort of a Hail Mary type situation. Aaron Rodgers is coming off the field. It didn't work out. And he's coming over there and he is just MFing the sideline. Yeah. And it's, and he was, and it was to Matt LaFleur. And there was a, a lack of respect that I think should be there for your head coach and to publicly show him up like that. I thought was, kind of red flags going off now after the game Aaron Rodgers was like now I wasn't using curse line you know I wasn't yes. cursing him out specifically yes. we were heated in that situation uh, I think it's something to keep an eye on uh throughout this season now they're three and oh those those little blips like that can be overlooked wait you're telling me that Aaron Rodgers had a similar situation to uh Jalen Ramsey and it wasn't covered the same way <laughs> Right. Unbelievable. Exactly. Are you telling me that Aaron Rodgers came off the field cursing out his head coach and no one covered it? <laughs> now, it did. He did help the situation by saying, hey, it wasn't that big of a deal. So did Doug Marone. No, but remember, he said, I don't remember it. He would have been better off saying it was heated in the moment. Remember don't he try to defend that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> well, and they won. A winning also helps. Okay, winning. Winning does that. help it, too. Uh, also. Uh, but I think this is a much more important game for the Eagles. The mm -hmm. Eagles are off to an atrocious start considering where their expectations were coming into this season. They've had a couple rough losses. They are decimated uh, as far as the players that they've had gone down. Now, they do get um, – who do they get back? Nelson Alshon Aguilar. Jeffrey. Alshon Dreffley. They had Nelson Aguilar who had the drop catch that the fireman was uh, making fun of. But they still don't have Deshaun Jackson uh, back there. They've got uh, issues all across the board. I think Dallas is already a lock to win the yep. NFC East. But if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you want to make the playoffs as a wild card team, you have to find a way to win this game. It looks really like an uphill battle if you start off one and three. If uh, if they start off one and three, um, do we have the rest of their schedule coming up? I looked at it before we came on Fifth here. Toughest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yes, just pre bye week though. If you just do the eyeball test with like whether they're supposed to win versus you're going to your bye week three and four if you're the Eagles. No bueno. Right. Like no bueno if you're the Eagles. Not out of the realm of possibilities if you get healthy and you get hot, but certainly not where where you want to be sitting um, if you're a Super Bowl, you know, uh, aspiring team. And so, you know, we talk about this in sport all the time. You know, winning championships isn't always about you being the best team. It really isn't. Yep. Uh, it's about you being one of the best teams, and then you've got to have some things fall your way. Uh, health being like the most important one. And if you mess around and you get behind that eight ball with with bad injuries, untimely injuries, you know, a, a rash of unfortunate, you know, injuries, you could be sitting there at the end of the season saying, "Dang, man, we were we were fully capable uh, of winning the championship. We just caught a bunch of bad breaks." And so, you know, it happens in every sport. 
Uh, this could be this year's story of that in the NFL. Uh, we're going to pick the game in just a couple minutes with Emery Hunt. I do think the one good thing, if you're an Eagles fan, is that, hey, when they won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they were decimated with injuries, including their quarterback, Carson Wentz, when True. they won it with Nick Foles. He was, that was not the only big injury. That team was decimated. And that's what I love about football. It is a team game. They can overcome that. But man, they need to respond and respond yeah, quickly. In a hurry. Yeah. Uh, if they want to get out of the season, will get away from them. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Time to, as we do every Thursday, bring in our buddy Emery Hunt. Going to help us with some picks throughout the weekend. What's up, Emery? How are we doing today? What's going on, guys? I always appreciate you having me on. All right, I love it. So we were just talking about the Eagles and Packers game tonight on Thursday Night Football, talking about the importance for the Eagles to get back on track, even though they're depleted with injuries. The Packers, though, are a four-point home favorite. Are you rolling with the favorite or the road underdog? I'm rolling with the favorite here and not because of your usual reasons of Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. The Packers are playing great defense and quietly they can run the heck out of the football. So I think those two elements along with Aaron Rodgers will help them knock off Philadelphia. So lay the points with the Packers. All right, Emery, uh, two teams in the AFC with different narratives right now. You got the Browns struggling, underachieving a little bit, and then you've got, um, you know, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, uh, people maybe exceeding expectations with him so far this season. You've got the Browns at the Ravens, Browns laying seven. uh, Ravens laying seven, sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm laying all those points with the Ravens. One thing that Baker Mayfield doesn't handle well is pressure. And we saw this all the way back in that college football playoff game against Georgia. If you're able to affect the pocket for Baker Mayfield, he tends to get a little bit skittish. We're seeing that now. We saw a little bit last year against those better teams that they played. So the Ravens defense – Along with what they can do offensively, I think this one will be a cakewalk for Baltimore. So lay the points with the Ravens. All right. My guy, Kirk Cousins, taking a lot of heat this year. They've Take been it. running the football. Dalvin Cook deserves it's, to be an MVP. That been taking a lot of heat for a while. Yes, he should. And he should. Uh, they're trying to play in one of the toughest divisions out there. Going against division foes, Chicago Bears on the road. The Bears two-point favorite in that one. Are you rolling with my guy, Kirk Cousins, or what? I'm rolling with your guy, Kirk Cousins. Finally. Yeah. Here's why. You look at what both of these teams have. Great defense. They can run the football. Chicago just doesn't. But when you have to trust a quarterback to make a couple of throws, I mean, honestly, you have to trust Kirk Cousins in this situation. So take the Vikings and the points in this ballgame. I think they knock off Chicago. It's not a ringing endorsement for Kirk Cousins when you're comparing him making throws <laughs> no, to Mitch not. Trubisky. Not when you're making 83. You know what I mean? Come on, team. man. All right. All right, Emery. Let's move Let's move on to college football. You have Rutgers at Michigan. 
Uh, Michigan kind of trying to rebound a little bit after that loss to Wisconsin. It's a big number, 27 and a half. Yeah, I think they're going to try to come out and, and establish the, the ground game, get their passing game going early, and what a great matchup to do that than against the Scarlet Knights, who seem to struggle offensively to find that consistency within their game. So I would lay all those points for Michigan. All right, staying in the college game. I feel like this might be a biased one with your raging Cajuns on the road against Georgia Southern laying three and a half. I'm guessing you're rolling with your squad. Is that right? Definitely rolling with my squad, and I'm going to tell you why once again. Let me lay it out. I told people back in May the Cajuns go four deep in the backfield, and they've been winning with their running game. Quietly, they have out Georgia Southern Georgia Southern so far this season, and Georgia Southern's defense, which usually is stout, has been tragic, to put it nicely. So look for the Cajuns to roll in this one. I'm going with the Raging Cajuns, as always. Hey, yo. Okay. Uh, we got the UAB Blazers laying three at the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. I love UAB's defense, and quietly, they can run the football as well. This is probably one of the more well-balanced teams in Conference USA, so lay the points with the Blazers in this one. I think they take care of business against the Hilltoppers. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it, Amory. Good luck with the picks. Appreciate you guys. Awesome. UAB, his last pick there, laying yeah. three against Western Kentucky. There was a story about them uh, a couple weeks ago. So they were trying to like in- increase fan involvement, get fans excited to go to the game. So they had an idea that they wanted to have a Komodo dragon at the game, like as a picture, like, hey, fan pictures, <laughs> until they decided. They looked it up and they said, uh-oh, the Komodo dragon has like a poisonous bite. Yes, correct. Like it's if a it, very yes. dangerous animal, so yes. they nixed that pretty quickly. Imagine if that had actually happened, like somebody brought that out there. Komodo like, dragon? Yes. <laughs> that one? Like, just go your basic monitor lizard. Like, you don't yeah. have to go full Komodo. Exactly. You don't have to bring one of those. Right. There was another. These things are crazy, what they'll do to get fans at games. The University of Arizona had a deal where they were going to have a petting zoo at their soccer game, right? They were going to have a petting zoo. So their official, like, Arizona Twitter handle says, the petting zoo for the Arizona soccer game between so-and-so has been put on hold because the animals have escaped from the pen and are on the loose in downtown Tucson. (laughs) Like, it was, they literally tweeted that out, and then they had an update. They said, okay, it's back on. The animals have been corralled. They'll be at the game. It was nuts. Some of these things they'll do. All right. Let's continue with our picks. Virginia. Yeah. On the road against Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a 12 and a half point favorite. I think this is one of the best games of the weekend on a weekend, which is kind of a little bit, you know, last weekend was so huge. There were so many great matchups. I think this one's kind of flying under the radar. I think you're going to find out a lot more about both of these teams. Who are you going with? This is a tough one. Two good academic institutions. Yes. Huh? Yep. Good at football, too. Um, I'm going to take Virginia, uh, Notre Dame to win. But I think Virginia is going to keep it tighter than 12 and a half. Uh, I don't know why I feel like that, but that's what I'm going to go. That's what my gut says. I don't like when we agree because yeah. usually that's a jinx. <laughs> but I'm on the same page. So Virginia last week was playing Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. Old Dominion's not a team they should have. I think they were favored by three touchdowns. They were down 17 yeah, to struggle. nothing. But then they came back, scored 28 unanswered, won the game. Right. So I'm like, okay, maybe they were overlooking that opponent to get to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, we saw that national stage. They're playing against Georgia. They impressed. I have a feeling Notre Dame's going to be a little bit hungover, like physically. That was a physical yes. ball game, late night. Yep. They get home late. You just kind of, it takes its toll on you. Right. Um, so I'm going to say Virginia keeps this one uh, closer as well. I don't want to say upset alert. I think they cover. I'm not going to call the outright upset just yet, but I'm going to go with Virginia there too in the 12 and a half points. Uh, USC 
was on the Friday night stage last week. They get their quarterback gets knocked out, Keaton Slovis, on the second play of the game. Crazy. Matt Fink, who actually is their third quarterback, considering they lost JT Daniels also in the season, he comes off the bench. They beat Utah. It was an incredible game. Now they go on the road to face Washington. The Pac-12 has been a mess. Washington right. lost to Cal earlier. So Washington, behind Jacob Eason, who got back on track, is a 10.5-point favorite in this one. I'm going to say the Pac-12 is wacky and wild, and I think this will be a closer game than the 10.5 points point spread. So I'm going to take the Trojans to cover in this one. Well, if you don't like us agreeing, you're not going to like the segment because I, I agree with you. Um, I think USC is going to cover. I would say USC upsets Washington potentially. It's going to go yeah. down. It's going to be a late a late winning of a game by somebody. All of a sudden, Graham Harrell, their new offensive coordinator, looks like a genius because you've had three quarterbacks step in and none of them have struggled. They right. all... They've been chucking the ball downfield. It's an offense that we haven't seen at USC in history, and they're running this kind of wide-open air ride system, and whatever quarterback is, they're having a field day with some of these receivers. I think that big win for them was kind of a big, all right, man, there's not the stress. We can go playing on the road. I think that could help them. Most important game of the week, biggest matchup of the week, NC State, Uh a Wolfpack on the road in Tallahassee. So I rode Florida with State is a six and a half point favorite. I rode with my man last week, Willie Tiger, and I'm going to ride with him again. Ooh. I think Florida State covers the number in NC State. They've got at some point they got to come out of like the 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 giving up a lead type of funk and actually close the close close the door on someone. I think it'll be this week. I think they they run away with this one, bro. Last week. I'm watching the Louisville game. Bro. They go up 21 nothing. I think. Yeah. I was like, yes, because I, I actually I took that game pretty heavily. I right. was like, Florida State's got to be better than what they've showed. They just need to get that win. So I'm thinking, this is exactly what they need. A nice, controlled victory. Yep. And then, like they've done every single other game, they get a couple penalties. James Blackman gets knocked out of the game. All of a sudden, they're finding themselves down. I'm like, are you kidding me? This team has the worst luck in America. Thankfully, they busted the coverage. Uh, they find Tamori on Terry, wide open touchdown, yeah. come back and they get the win and they cover, by the way. Um, is James Blackman out? Well, that's just Googling that. So Willie Taggart said, if he's healthy enough to play, he's going to play. Yeah. When I saw the injury, it was nasty. He got folded, yeah. like folded in half. I thought it was an ACL for sure. Yep. Said it was an MCA. They said, if he's healthy enough to play, he's going to play. A little bit more concerned if it's Hornibrook, but NC State is not that good this year. Come on, bro. Come I'm going to roll with Florida Come State on, yeah, as well. Dude. Come on. I'm going to roll with Florida That's State. That's an obligatory. Well. Like, you don't even, I don't even, they should be offended. Florida State fans should be offended that you even, like, no, no, I was liberated just over that. section of the game there. I do think if Hornibrook plays, I'm a little more concerned. I did not love what I saw at Alex Hornibrook coming off the bench. Really slow footed in the pocket. Yeah. And that offensive line, you got to be getting that ball out of your hands. I did not love what I saw there, but even regardless, I'm going to stick with Florida State. Laying the six and a half. Uh, Other stories from college football. There were some pretty interesting things that happened. So if you saw the Bama game, and you probably didn't watch it because it was a blowout, there was this scene where the Bama wide receivers are on the field, and they're playing rock, paper, scissors, right? No shampoo. They're doing this. So you see them here. Uh, This is Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy, who's going to be a top five overall pick in the draft. So they're playing rock, paper, scissors. So everyone's like, what is going on? Judy won. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, are they just goofing around? He or rocked what? the scissors. He rocked the scissors. Yes, exactly. So people were wondering what was going on. They weren't just goofing around. So this is two players. And Henry Ruggs, another receiver on that uh, scheme, uh, team, explained what was happening. It's just because, I mean, we got playmakers everywhere. And at any moment, you know, any guy can make a play. So once they got the play call, they knew, you know, 
like, oh, this the route that's going to catch the touchdown. So they rock, paper, scissors over who's going to run that route. You can actually do that in, in the game? You can kind of decide who's going to be in what position? I mean, that's that's just a testament of what we do. We all know every position. So at any moment, we can move around. We know I can go in the slide or you can go outside or, you know, something like that. So, you know, they see a, a big route coming up. Anybody, just, Everybody wants it, so we all in the game. So they just they rock, paper, scissors to see who. So I've seen receivers fighting over who comes in the game. You yeah, know, we ran a lot. We did with some four wide stuff, but a lot of times later in a game, you're running the football more, and you'd have two wide receivers in there, and it was more a battle for fight, like playing time. I want to be on the field because I know it's going to be there. Yeah, have it happen on the field in between plays is hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah, and I love that it unfolded. My question for you. If you're a defensive coordinator, are you starting to watch to see who wins? And then you're like, no, no, we got to double that guy. He he won. They need to do a better job. It's like when you cover your mouth when yes. you play, they got to do a better job of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I find a different game. I think it's interesting though because I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that Nick Saban's culture was one where guys could decide where they wanted to play right in the middle of a of a game. Like he could be in the slot, I could be out wide. Like that's interesting to me. Um, Saban did comment on it, and he said, "This is the first time I've heard of it, but uh, I haven't seen this before." But I have a hunch it's going away. Right. Yeah. Don't, like, you got to shut down uh, Henry Rose. But I think it is really a testament to the depth they have. They have the best wide receiving core in the country. So they have four receivers who are over a thousand career receiving yards. Yeah. It's pretty insane. They've got depth. But it also is a testament to their smarts as a group. The fact that they can say, sure. hey, I know you're running the post. I'm running the shallow cross. And let's just swap it because I want the touchdown. I yeah. want to run the post, and that they know where everybody goes, and they know those parts are interchangeable. That's a testament to those guys, yep. you know, to the, to the players that are actually on the field. Uh, we've been trying to do Heisman discussion for like two let's weeks. Let's do it real quick, man. You want to do it real quick? Yeah. All right. My Heisman take early this season, still too early, but one player has lost the Heisman Trophy. It's Trevor Lawrence, and it's not a knock on him as a draft prospect. It's not a knock on Clemson as a national championship contender. It's more of a knock on the process. Yeah. But throwing five interceptions, more than he threw all last season as a starter, not having a huge game against Texas A&M, which they won. That's really all that should matter. But those two things are going to kill Trevor Lawrence when it comes to the Heisman race. You need to be a statistical wonder where you're tops in the country. He's not there. You need to have Heisman moments, which he's not going to get any more this season because their schedule is so light. I think he's already lost the Heisman Trophy, and it's only September 26th. Uh, I would agree with you. This is now a two-man race with the third man as a dark horse. The third would be uh, Jalen Hurts. So the uh, two, so you have Tua and Joe Burrow as your two man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now they're uh, look. I don't. I'm not a deep dive college football expert. Like mm-hmm. the kid from Utah State. What's his name? Jordan Love. Or, yeah. Like, you know, they're a group of five. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There may be a name like that out there, but yep. in terms of what I can see on a da- on a daily Saturday, um, Tua and Joe Burrow's numbers are really, really big time. Both of them breaking records, I think, for their respective schools last yep. weekend with touchdown passes. Um, and I think Jalen fell slightly off the pace with their performances last week, yep. but that doesn't mean he's out of the conversation for me. So I think Joe Burrow is going to win it. Like if you had right now, I don't like the value there, but he just said, who do you think is going to win the Heisman? I would go with Joe Burrow. He's already had one of the best moments of the season when it was third and 17 on the road in Texas, and he comes up with a touchdown yep. pass to win the game. But not only so, and statistically, he's been off the charts. He's setting records at LSU, but he also has a lot more opportunity. They still have Alabama. Uh, they still have several, you know, the SEC West. They're going to get games in prime time on the national stage. And I think he's still going to have 
games where he's going to put up monster numbers in big moments. I think Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields both are kind of flying. They're kind of they're maintaining their status because statistically they're there. But you're going to see Justin Fields in Nebraska right. on the road. Game day is going to be there. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. That's an opportunity for him. And Jalen Hurts really hasn't even got to the meat of his schedule yet. Right. So it'll all take care of itself. But he asked me, who do I think is going to win at this point? I'd say Joe Burrow. He's got a really strong chance to do that. That's our Heisman discussion here after only one month of the college football season. But it's never too early to do some Heisman. All right, welcome back to Kinell and Bell. Uh, these types of conversations are one that I really like. When you're talking about like the culture of professional sports today, yep. when you're talking about the changing landscape of the NCAA, because I think we are in like uncharted territory with player empowerment, player movement, um, just you know dealing with adversity. I think we are in uncharted territory, and we are seeing kind of attitudes creep in that we haven't seen before. Yeah, Delaney Walker talked exactly about that and about how guys are dealing with adversity now as compared to when he came into the NFL. Here's a listen to the Titans tight end. Yeah, when I came in the league in 2006, I know that's a long time ago, um, the atmosphere was a lot different. You know, we were one and two. It would be pissed off guys walking around here, calling guys out, team meeting without the coaches. But today's football... It's a lot different. Yeah. A lot of these guys can't take that. A lot of these guys don't like to be called out. They want to fight or they want to be traded. <laughs> and it's it's that's pretty much where we're going today with this game. It's, as you can see, the rule changes and yeah. everything is just different. All right. So a couple things to note there. Um, I thought the biggest difference to me when I jumped from college to the NFL was a mindset of, a loss is not that, not that big of a deal, right? And I played at Florida State where we were playing for national championships. When we lost a game, it was devastating. It was the season is over. Yeah. This crushes our chance for national championship. And so, guys, were it was really hard to overcome. So it was a big jump for me and a big difference when I go to the New York Giants. We lose a game. It's like, nah, get my paycheck, go on for the next week. We'll see what happens. And right. it's continued. We weren't very good my first couple of years. Uh, the Giants were not good. Four and twelve, I think, was my rookie uh, season record, and it was rough. Yes, but I was like, man, these guys don't care that much. Um, so like when Delaney Walker's talking about it from that standpoint, hey, from 2006 to 2019, I don't know if it's changed that much. I think it has much more to do with the organization or the franchise that you're in. Sure. And every team, I think, has different personalities. So I would say it's something that, as a franchise, you need to try to weed that out as quickly as possible and and hold winning to a standard. When you play 16 games and guys are making money and you you can still make the playoffs and lose four games, you can be 12 right. and four and be one of the best teams in the NFL. It's harder and harder to sell guys on. Hey, the loss is just a devastating blow. Well, you're saying you could lose like four games and you play 16. Think about the NBA where you play 82. Yeah, you could essentially be 500 and still make the playoffs. Like it's it's difficult to, at times to figure out like who the motivated, you know self-motivated guys are the ones that want to win versus the ones that are doing it for a living. You know what I mean? And ideally, um, you find guys that, that uh, you know, obviously you're doing it to make a living, but you find the guys that are self-motivated that want to win, you know? And I was blessed that I came into the league um, on good teams. Like I was on my first team, the Sixers team, went to the finals. And next year we were still a playoff team and weren't as good. And then I went to Dallas. We went to the Western Conference finals. And, you know, I went to Utah who had, just lost Stockton and Malone, but they were always fighting to be in the playoffs. And then Phoenix had great runs. So that's all I knew. It was a long time before I got traded to Charlotte. 
I got traded to Charlotte, things were a little different. Like they weren't used to winning. We weren't really fighting to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I saw very quickly, and it wasn't a knock on anybody there, just what, you know, a losing type of culture looked like. And I had been ruined as a player because I could never wrap my mind around that. All I knew was how to scrap and fight to be, you know, in the playoffs or chasing a championship. And, you know, it's, it's, it was a stark, like it was a slap in the face to see that, hey man, there are whole franchises and groups of guys that get drafted by these franchises that never know what it's like to be a pro and chase a championship or, or what that sacrifice looks like. You know what I mean? And so you're right. It's got a lot to do with an organization where you wind up. And if you're blessed or not to play in one that is has the right culture, you know. And there's definitely a big difference between amateur sports and professional sports. Oh, when you sure. are start doing it, the most important thing for most guys is the paycheck. Sure. Like, hey, I'm doing this to put food on the table for my family. Not only that, but to set my family up with generational type wealth in some situations. And that's an interesting dynamic. I also wonder what Mike Vrabel thinks when he hears one of his players. Because he's he is kind of it's a it's an indictment on his own team. Now he says it's a culture of all of sports, but his team is one and two. Yeah, I think you're talking about his. I think so too. Yeah. It's like if you're Mike Vrabel, who's the head coach of the Titans, are you a little bothered by this, or are you? Hey, that's my leader. I want his attitude to and in, in, you know to 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 resonate in our locker room. I think it's probably the latter. You know, I think I hope he, so. I, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but I think Mike Vrabel and guys they played are probably cut from the same cloth. Like they were the elder statesmen when Delaney was probably. Yeah. In the locker room. So he's probably seeing very similar things. Now, the challenge for coaches, I imagine, like in this day and age at the pro level is, is, you know, having that progressive, like attitude, being in front of it, realizing that there's a culture change and you can't treat people the way you were treated coming in and figuring out, you know, how to keep them motivated and how to hold them accountable and how to do the things that you need to do to them with these new attitudes that exist. I don't have the answer for that. Right. But the good ones do, you know? They can keep their same philosophy, but just package it different to 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 make it palatable for today's, you know, athletes. Do you remember when we had Bill Cowher on at the Super Bowl? Sure. And we I asked him about this. How do you coach today's player? And he said, you know what? Great players want to be held accountable. They want to be coached yeah. hard. I think it's really hard though to find those great players. I think there's more players that are kind of their talent is is winning out. They're getting drafted high, and they're getting opportunity. And I don't know if they truly want to be great, or like because there's a difference between playing football because you love the sport and you love the competition and you love winning, or playing football for what it brings you. Correct. And I think there's a big difference, and I think that's the struggle. And if I was a coach, I would try to fill my team with as many players as I could. Of hey, who loves playing football? But the reality is we're seeing more and more players who are doing it because the money's getting so much greater. Yeah, and it's hard. It's really it's hard to identify that sometimes. Yes. Right? Oh, it's and, impossible. But I do, you know, I do think again, we touched on it yesterday that the building of brands that that's starting to be preached to kids when they're in high school. Yep. Like how to build your brand, how to become a you know, and while that's really business savvy and, and I, I think to some degree, you know, I support it because you know, the only brand building like back in the day was done by the owners and they were the only ones cashing in. Like the real, the real chips were all going to the owners. Now, now you've got players in, in leagues across the world taking, you know, the initiative building their brands and they get to reap the benefits of that. I support that, right? That's like small business to some degree. I'm all for it. You yep. know what I mean? Um, but when you do that, you have people and it starts to shift the focus away from buying into that major brand, that team brand, that winning brand to represent the G. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like the, the focus shifts away from that. The allegiance shifts away from that to maybe like, let me build 
my brand, right? And so that becomes the most paramount and most, you know, uh, uh, um, important thing in your life. And it's hard to do both. Like you're, you're either going to have allegiance to that team and do whatever it takes for that brand to win. Um, or at the end of the day, you're going to like build your brand, right? Cause right. there always comes a tipping point where you got to choose a side. Yep. And then what do you do when push comes to shove about choosing a side? Guys like me, I had no damn brand. Yeah. There's no brand to right. sell. And I was so the I same was, way. Like I was going, like, let's do it. What are we doing? What, what do you need me to do? Yep. But when you got your brand, sometimes you got to make a call. And when you're teaching kids from a young age to be about their brand, we shouldn't be surprised when we get to this point. We're seeing that creep in all the time. I would say this, like an example is Odell Beckham in New York. And they could, they obviously, there was a, you know, a personality conflict, whatever. Old school Giants, Dave Gettleman is like, I don't want that player around anymore. I think one of the things I would have pitched on Odell on if I was a coach with the New York Giants is, man, if you can win. Our interests are aligned. In, Our interests are aligned. In New York, yeah. your brand will be exponentially bigger than anything you could ever imagine, whether it's a deal with Nike, whether it's a commercial, whether it's a, a part in a movie. Right. If you win a Super Bowl as the leading wide receiver of the New York Giants, you will be set for life as a brand. That's why so you make always... that your ultimate goal and then worry about the brand after. That's you why know? you always applaud Tom Brady, though. Like He's yeah. been genius in building his brand. He's got a brand. Yep. He's got a great brand. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it's been, you know... Um, not propped up, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's, he's been, a winner. He's a winner, and he's with a gold, you know, a, a blue ribbon organization, and they they just continue to do what they do. You know. Yep, for sure. It's definitely a challenge that coaches and organizations are having to deal with like never before. Welcome back to Canel and Bell's. We finish off the show on a Thursday. Baker Mayfield cannot get out of his own way. Huh. He is a punk. Like he really is. Like that's the only word I can think of because. He just needs to separate himself from some of the fray. And when he kind of lowers himself to this level, I'm like, what? why can't you just not comment or just kind of work your way out of a room, say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not getting involved with this. So Rex Ryan criticized him, called him overrated. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield was asked about it. Here's what he had to say. It's whatever. I mean, in the in the wise words of Freddie Kitchens, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. And Rex Ryan doesn't have any colors right now for a reason, so it's okay. Why couldn't you just stop after saying in the wise words of Freddie Kitchen, if you don't wear brown, you know, brown and orange, then you don't matter. Like, just stop right there. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Uh, instead, he had to throw in the one more jab. I just, and ultimately, it probably doesn't matter that much, but man, it makes him seem like immature which is exactly what i've described him he's immature and he's gonna get humbled himself like he is not having a great year last year he's chirping about hugh jackson and it's okay he starts having this incredible year this year you're not playing that great to your start you know throwing people under the bus yeah uh look man he just it looks like he can't help himself i had no problem with him defending himself and to your right. point the first part of it was perfect cut textbook boom next question please um I don't know. I I, I want to draw some kind of comparison to someone who just can't help themselves. Like it's like you tell a kid like don't touch it, and they're like, right? They have to touch it. Like, and he definitely that was premeditated. Oh that yeah, not, he, tell, he had yeah. thought about a response, and he was gonna respond with that. I just say why? Again, I've asked this question a lot with the Browns and Baker Mayfield specifically. Yeah. Why? What? I don't know. Does it do? I don't have a good. I don't. I, have I think a, it's I who he know. is. I think he is a little punky. I think he does like to mix it up a little bit, and that's great if you're on the field talking trash. Is great. But why play play it out publicly with the media? No, but even guys who that's their, their that's who they are, they don't do it all the time, right? You right. know what I mean? Because yes. it's, like, it's like yelling all the time. If you're always yelling, it loses its effect. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all the so time. Save it a little bit, Baker. Right. Save some of that energy. All right, uh, Tom Brady mm -hmm. talking about the importance of hydration with the media. I don't even want you to listen to the sound. I want you to notice what he's wearing. Okay. What's your shirt say? Exactly. I don't know, man. It was a gift. It's pretty sweet. 
Where's your hydration? I got my water bottle. You got your coffee. You got nothing, nothing. Who's got water in here? Water. Smart. Thank you, guys. So, talking about that hat. I'm talking about the lid yeah, up top. That looks weird. It, it looks like it's a, like he's a seven-year-old wearing a dad's hat. You know, like it's way too big. Here's my, here's my premise. Here's my theory. Talking the hat. What is that? That's what, like his new line? Nah, he's a big nerd. Like I think, <laughs> I, like he comes across as the coolest dude ever. He's always dressed really nice. He's yeah. married to a supermodel. He's quarterback of the Patriots. I think deep down he's kind of a nerd. Like when he was at Michigan, I bet he was just a nerdy kid walking around campus with his backpack on and his pencil in his ear, ready to go to class. And then I'm going to go study some extra film. Right. I think deep down under, you think he's kind of a nerd. I'm jealous of that nerd. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I think he's kind of nerdy. I think he gets way too much credit for being cool guy. I don't know Tom Brady. I don't either. He is the goat. <laughs> he is. So I'm going to refrain no argument. from. I, I will say, though, that the hat looks strange propped up on the head. All That's right. what I will say. But maybe he falls in that category with Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and now it's Tom Brady. who all. This, but Tom Brady has good style. Yeah. Tiger Woods and, and MJ don't. But maybe he should stay away from wearing hats. If he's going to wear them like that, they're way too big. He should do that. Lamar Jackson yeah. said he doesn't like to run. Listen to what he said. I hate running, <laughs> only if I have to, you know. But my job is to get the ball to the receivers, the tight ends, running backs. Um, if I have to run, I'll do it. But I'd rather just sit back and pass it. I like throwing to All right, I love it. So he's – I asked him one time when he was in the Heisman race, which I was interviewing him, I said, hey, if there was a fourth down and five and you could either run it or pass it, he's like, pass it all day. I think he's definitely some of it. He's trying to dispel the narrative that I'm only a runner. So he's saying, I hate runner. I hate running, but you got to take advantage of it. We'll be back tomorrow. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.